0: there. I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. It's World Menopause Awareness Month, and we're using this occasion to talk to Dubai's own menopause specialist, Dr. Fiona Rennie. Dr. Rennie talks about everything we need to know about estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, collectively known as menopause hormone therapy, a.k.a. hormone replacement therapy, a.k.a. HRT, and in particular, what kinds are available in Dubai and how women can access them. Dr. Runny, so great to see you. And I'm, you've been in Dubai for 16 years. It's a long time. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. what I'm curious off the top is, um, you see so many different people from all over the world I imagine in your practice because Dubai is such a sort of melting pot. What, is there something that strikes you about commonalities between all the patients you see? Like, is there something that strikes you that way?
1: um that's a very good question that's quite a hard one to answer without a bit of thought um patients here have very high expectations and I think that's the demographic I think because the majority of people are educated professionals and they have high expectations and a lot of patients I see have had really bad experiences with health professionals in Dubai there's some amazing health professionals in Dubai but I think you really need to know um, where to go and the thing that I find quite unfortunate is people don't tend to have GPs here or family medicine doctors um, and because of that there's no one coordinating their care so often the bad experiences come from the fact that they may have chosen the wrong specialty to go to um, and that specialty will say well I um you know, have done all these investigations and know you're fine and then just leave them hanging and then they won't know what to do next. So, you know, in, in Canada and New Zealand and the UK and Australia, we all have to go through a family medicine doctor. And I think that that role is really important. And unfortunately that's not, um, we often, I often get patients come to, come to a family medicine doctor out of desperation
0: because they've been to
1: all the specialists and they still, haven't found an answer for their problems
0: yeah i yeah i don't think people realize you can just look up a specialist and make an appointment with them here which is Mm -hmm. great you don't have to wait eight months to see a specialist like Mm -hmm. in canada but you're kind of playing in the dark for sure okay so tell me um you're you know you're we all know or we're learning about hormone therapy and um its uses and dangers are not dangers. So I just want to know, this is a real, you studied under Dr. Louise, you've studied with Dr. Louise Newsom, Is that right? Like to, to talk, you've, you're sort of, like, I, I say,
1: yeah, essentially
0: I do what she does. Yeah. Yeah. So tell I'm, me, I'm the,
1: I'm the Dubai version.
0: You're the Dubai version. You're the Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say right now when it comes to hormone therapy are the biggest um, misconceptions?
1: Okay, so menopause is very badly dealt with worldwide. And I think partially that is because it's only in recent years we realize the long-term effects of menopause on the female. So traditionally it was, I have some flushes, um, I'll try and get through them and not worry about hormone replacement. And then people will come to me and say, I'm through the menopause, I'm fine. But you're never actually through the menopause. So 100 years ago, for example, the average age of menopause was 57. And the average life expectancy for a woman is 59. So they would go become menopausal. And the definition of menopause is no period for one year. They would become menopausal. And then they may only live for a couple of years. Now the average age is 51. And women potentially, they life expectancy is 84, potentially in ovarian failure for 30 to 40 years. So what happens at menopause is the ovary stops working. And when the ovary stops working, you no longer produce estrogen, and the amount of testosterone you produce is a lot less as well. And what we see is two, there's two parts to it. So women go through perimenopause which is the 10 years leading up to menopause where they're getting they may still be getting their period but they're getting fluctuating levels of estrogen and that will be giving them symptoms and then they go and in, in, into menopause and they have symptoms so we use HRT for symptoms but we also use it for prevention because the longer you're in menopause and your ovaries aren't working the higher your risk of dementia heart disease diabetes, osteoporosis, colon cancer, kidney disease, to name but a few. Because we know that estrogen is protective against those diseases. So there's two parts to hormone replacement therapy. So I can't remember your initial question. Um, (laughs) So what has happened worldwide is, in the 90s, I was happily prescribing HRT, we knew that it was protective for heart disease. We knew that the risk of breast cancer was low with HRT. And um, for the majority, the benefits outweigh out, the risk. And then in 2002, a study came out of the US called the Women's Health Initiative Study. And it was a very, it's been proven since to be a flawed study. And what they did was they suddenly announced to the world that HRT was dangerous that it increased increased your risk of breast cancer and heart disease. Now that has since been disproven, but unfortunately for the last 20 years, there are, and still now, there are women that will not take HRT because they remember that study and also doctors that won't prescribe it because they haven't updated since that study. But that study has been disproven. We know that it was done in women over the age of 60, primarily who already had these conditions. So what I'm trying to do and a lot of doctors is trying to do is to change that way of thinking and um, menopause is very badly taught at medical school Mm -hmm. and if um, a doctor comes out of medical school and doesn't choose to do any um, extra training in gynecology then they really don't know an awful lot about menopause and Unfortunately, what happens is I get a lot of women coming in who have been to a doctor in Dubai who I, you know, doctors that I know, and I know they are really good at their job, but who have said, oh, no, no, you don't need HRT, you'll be fine. And I think women in that are suicidal because they are suffering so much. Now, what you have to remember is that every cell in the body responds to estrogen. Every cell in the body needs estrogen to function normally. So menopause isn't just about a few hot flushes. It's about the brain being starved of estrogen. So you get the mood changes, irritability, anxiety, depression, poor sleep, joint pains, muscle pains, flushes, low libido, urinary tract symptoms, headaches, tinnitus, ringing ringing in the ears, um, palpitations, everything. So it can be a really miserable time. And hormone replacement is really effective because it's essentially replacing what you're no longer making. So, if your thyroid wasn't working, the majority of people would be very happy to take a thyroid replacement. And so, this is what women need to
0: do if they're not making estrogen. Okay. But isn't it also, um, I mean, it is a natural process, right? Like, we are designed to go through this. And I know you mentioned. Life expectancy being, you know, so low. But if women didn't die when they were young, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like lifespan, people did live to seventy or eighty. Like this, we are intended to go through this. So, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, it's not like it's a disease. Is, is it? Like, it's sort of sounding like it's like estrogen failure or ovarian failure. It, it's sort of starting to feel like it's a, it's a disease that needs to be. Um, fix does that make sense it's not a disease it's a chronic deficiency okay so it's a
1: chronic And and chronic deficiency and replacing that yes so people will say well why try and change what you're designed to do yeah my answer to that is well if you're if you're feeling fine and um you're not worried you don't have a strong family history of Um, dementia or osteoporosis, then you don't have to take HRT. Not everyone has to take HRT. But if you're feeling miserable, why not improve
0: your quality of life? Right. That's one thing I was going to ask you because um, I'm feeling okay. Like I feel, I feel okay. And I often think, should it, gosh, I'm 51. I'm not through it yet. Should I be taking HRT to to ward off all, to ward off these things, the big three, the cardiovascular, osteoporosis and dementia. Would you suggest that for that reason, if I'm doing okay symptom-wise?
1: No, I wouldn't blanketly suggest that. I would need to do a risk assessment. Okay. So I'd need to do a full history, family history, past history. Right. Show you the risks of HRT, show you the benefits of HRT, and then let you make that decision based on the information. And then the then we move on to the types of HRT, and that's really relevant as well, because okay. there are actually three types
0: of HRT. Okay, we'll talk about that. So why don't okay, so why don't you tell us estrogen, progesterone, uh, and testosterone? Can you just tell us just a little bit about what can be done with those?
1: Okay. So the primary issue is ovarian failure. So the two hormones made by the ovary are estrogen and testosterone. Progesterone is of no importance unless you have a uterus. So if you give estrogen on its own, when you have a uterus, the lining of the uterus will build up and build up and build up and never shed. So for women that have had a hysterectomy, they only need estrogen. women that haven't had a hysterectomy they need progesterone as well if they are using estrogen therapy and the estrogen so let me just go back there's three types of hrt one is the traditional synthetic hrt and that is been around for years it's usually taken as a tablet by mouth it's made it's artificial it was originally made from horse pregnant horse urine Um, it's there's only a couple of brands available in, in the UAE, and there's a worldwide shortage of synthetic HRT at the moment, I think, because of manufacturing and um, COVID has affected that. It's taken by mouth, because it's taken by mouth, it goes through the liver and increases the clotting factors, which increases your risk of blood clots. So it's similar to the contraceptive pill but not as strong as a contraceptive pill. So there is that risk and there is a potential increased risk of breast cancer. It's not huge. And I can show you that in a minute. So that's synthetic. Then there's two other types. There are bio-identical and body-identical.
0: Bio-identical and body-identical. Now
1: the common factor with those, yes. Bio, both of those are made from the root vegetable, yam. And yam is the closest you can get to the body's natural hormones. It's, and that's why it's called body identical. Bio-identical are made in a compounding pharmacy. Everyone gets something different according to what that doctor wants to give them. So they might get a cream with estrogen, progesterone, testosterone in it. They might get a cream with just estrogen, but someone might have a 50-50 mix of two different estrogens or a 40-60, or 80-20. It is not standardized. If something isn't standardized, it can't be studied. So IO identical is not evidence-based and it's not licensed. It's expensive. It's made in a compounding pharmacy and there's different compounding pharmacies around and we can't guarantee the purity. So I don't prescribe that. What I prescribe is body identical. It's really simple. There are three products there's the body identical estrogen gel. Because it goes on the skin and bypasses the liver, so there's no increase in clotting factors. So there's no risk of um, heart attacks, strokes, blood clots. There is, for women who have had a hysterectomy who are only using estrogen, the decreased risk of breast cancer using this. For women that need progesterone, that risk is still reduced um, but not as much. The other product is the Utrogestin, which is a capsule, and this is a, the progesterone. Okay. Uh, it's a micronized progesterone, so it's much better tolerated and a nicer product than standard progesterone that is in, um, uh, that's in the synthetic. And that can be taken orally at night, and it's fantastic for sleep because it's slightly sedating. For women that don't tolerate progesterone well it can be used vaginally and the other option is a marina coil so it's this that everyone needs and it's pure it's licensed and it's safe okay and then we add in the progesterone to protect the uterus um, the third thing is testosterone testosterone is important for mood energy levels, and libido. Um, I actually have a lot of women that are on, te- uh, like younger women, around about the age of 40, we often see when they go into perimenopause, the testosterone levels crash, they lose their libido. So some, sometimes I don't always give estrogen. This comes in a small sachet. Um, we don't give that until a couple of months of estrogen, just to normalize estrogen first. So it's really simple. Body identical is simple. At the moment in Dubai, Um, It's quite expensive. There's only one or two places that bring it in. But the progesterone is is now licensed in Dubai. So within the next couple of months, it will be in all pharmacies here. And the estrogen is going through a licensing process with the Ministry of Health or whichever authority is doing it at the moment. And we're expecting that to be done by the end of the year. So it's all going to change here. And what we now need to do is educate doctors and educate women. So educate doctors on how to prescribe it, and educate women as well, that this is what they need. Um, I'm really not a fan of the bioidenticals. And I unfortunately, I think they're overprescribed or overused here because of the lack of availability of other things. And I still get women coming in who are told by doctors in Dubai that these body identicals aren't available. Well, we can't, you know, we can't get them. So they've been available,
0: but not widely.
1: And now they're being widely. No, there's only couple of the hospitals have them, but they have to be prescribed by their doctors. And then um, there's another pharmacy in Dubai that imported. Okay. So that's,
0: yeah, that's, I've been hearing about this and I saw you make oh, a prescription.
1: prescription. So you still have to have a prescription.
0: Okay. I've been hearing about this because I've heard, I saw you do, I think an in Instagram post, you said there's a thousand doses or something. And it's always made me nervous when I think about it. Cause the last thing I want to do is go on something that I can't get because I did have a friend in Abu Dhabi who went on it and then she wasn't able to get the right yeah. patches. No, this, this is, is all
1: we've not had a problem. The problem was <laughs> I think the pharmacist went on maternity leave and no one ordered it. Okay. Okay. So and, and sure you showing me that's not going to happen again. And anyway, it's going to be available in with pharmacies within the next year. Okay. So it will be easy. It can in Europe, a lot of it can just be bought over the counter. So a lot of my
0: patients, if they're traveling and I'll just tell them what to do. Oh, they can just get it. Okay. Bye. I am curious about can stock up. when you talk about, sorry, mm. talk about progesterone. Um, it's sort of like, okay, but it helps with sleep, but we just need it there because estrogen is the thing that helps. But there are people who say, actually, progesterone can be really helpful on its own. Um, like, I don't know if you know about Dr. Jory Lynn Pryor. She's an endocrinologist in um, Canada who's really into progesterone. Um, I wondered if like, you do you ever think of progesterone alone because I guess for no, me, because I find re- it the most annoying medication. 20% of women are intolerant to it. Okay, okay.
1: No, I'm delighted when someone comes in and says they've got a, hyst- had a hysterectomy because I don't have to worry about it. I spend more time, I, I, ne- everyone, all like almost 100% of people feel great on the estrogen. Okay, I spend more time troubleshooting progesterone issues now you do get you do get doctors that will talk about estrogen dominance progesterone dominance and there may be some certainly pms see pms in my opinion that's a lot to do with progesterone so premenstrual syndrome yeah a lot to do with progesterone i mean i it's it 20% of women don't tolerate progesterone and that woman that didn't get on with the contraceptive pill. So they'll often say they're moody, bad tempered on the pill. Well, that's usually progesterone, not estrogen. Okay. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not the expert. I'm not an endocrinologist and I'm not a biochemist, but in my practice, I spend more time trying to get the estrogen, the progesterone right than I do the estrogen. So no, I'm not, I would never give, never give progesterone on its own because the symptoms and I always get people to fill out a questionnaire, um, which has which has all of the symptoms of menopause or perimenopause. Big long list. They're all estrogen related, not progesterone. If I just gave progesterone, it wouldn't fix it. it, wouldn't fix it. This, is, this is an estrogen deficiency. Okay. The ovary only makes well, the, ov- the ovary makes progesterone in the second half of the menstrual cycle, and it's made from the empty egg sac, the corpus luteum. So when the egg is released, what is left behind makes progesterone and what the use of that is so people get um, a, a short normal period. So that's why you need progesterone. No, um, no
0: I'm not no. a progesterone fan not a progesterone fan okay <laughs> um I can I took a few questions from social media so they were cool I already asked you mine which was should I take hormone therapy if I'm okay with symptoms um, and you're saying hmm, maybe not um risk, oh, risk assessment just risk assessment yeah What? Okay. I recently, this is another one for me. It's not social media yet. I shouldn't mentioned it. (laughs) Um, I recently was sure I had all these perimenopause symptoms and then I was diagnosed with a bacterial overgrowth in my gut that I'm being treated for that was causing brain fog, sore throat, fatigue, and depression. So how, like when people come to you with these perimenopause symptoms, are you making sure that they're getting checked out for more serious yeah. stuff? The Daily Mail the, love these stories, right? Where it's like, oh, she thought it was perimenopause, but really she was dying, you know? And, and that's right. what we're all so scared of, you know?
1: Yeah, so, uh, well, that's where, that's this is my concern about estrogen and progesterone being bought over the counter. Okay. Because, and it's the same with a lot of things. And I must say, Dubai's tightening up things but we used to have used to be able to buy antibiotics over the counter so people are making their you know and and this is where it gets dangerous you need someone the most important thing in medicine is taking a good thorough history so I will go through I will probably spend first a consultation with me is an hour and I will probably spend 40 minutes of that going through the history so then you can start to work out What of this might be um, estrogen fluctuations or be something else? And I will often, the perimenopausal is much clearer when women are menopausal. But, you know, we have red flags in medicine and and we know when to start looking elsewhere. Um, But I will spend a lot more time with someone that's perimenopausal, probably doing a full blood screen and looking at vitamin D, looking at thyroid, Um, you know. If someone's having, if someone's got a gut bacteria, they're likely to have gut symptoms. Um, so it's really just getting, you know, there's no, there's no test for perimenopause. There's no blood test that says you're in perimenopause. So it's just, a, it's a process of elimination, and it's just being, you know, a, a good, solid medical practitioner, and, and you know, process of elimination, making a, you know, good judgment call. Okay.
0: Uh, Okay. Jane Mikul asks, is HRT dangerous? And if so, for whom? And if not, how long should you do it? Okay. There's an arbitrary cutoff for five years for synthetic HRT.
1: So you'll often get doctors putting people on HRT and saying at five years, you could stop it. The body identical, there's no end point. It's safe to take for life if you're healthy. Now, the whole issue with HRT seems to continually be focused on breast cancer so what I show people is this little card here which is a study done in the UK now if you follow a thousand women between the ages of 50 and 59 for five years 23 will get breast cancer that is the normal background risk If they're on a synthetic HRT or the contraceptive pill, there are four extra cases. So that goes from 23 out of 1,000 to 27 out of 1,000. Your normal background risk of of, um, breast cancer is one in seven. And people will say, well, I've got a family history. But most people will have a history of breast cancer in their family because one in seven women over their lifetime get breast cancer. So... Because they've got a family history, it doesn't mean that they are going to be at risk of getting breast cancer themselves. There is a small percentage of breast cancers, about 10% that are genetic, but the majority isn't. So that's your background risk. In women taking an estrogen-only HRT, there are four fewer cases. So the risk goes from 23 out of 1,000 to 19 out of 1,000. The biggest risk of breast cancer is lifestyle. So women that are overweight, who have a BMI over 30, their risk risk is basically doubled. So they go from 23 out of 1,000 to, I think it's an extra 24 cases, so 47. If you drink more than two and a half glasses, two units of alcohol a day, um, your risk is increased by uh, five. And if you smoke, your risk is increased by about four. So someone that's overweight drinking every day has a massively higher risk than someone taking HRT. Okay. And if you exercise more than two and a half hours a week, your risk goes from 23 out of a thousand to 16 out of a thousand. So if you are exercising, you have a fairly normal weight, you're not drinking and you're taking estrogen only HRT, basically your risk is halved.
0: Okay, okay. Ah. I got a question, uh, how do we convince physicians to discuss and guide us about treatment without making us feel it's all in our head? How do you talk to your doctor? That's Who's the right know? physician? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. That's impossible to answer. Look, I would,
1: what I say to people, I, on my Instagram, I've put four or five books that I think are really good. And what I say is follow some of the gurus like Louise Newson, for example, Follow those people on Instagram. Louise Newsom has the most amazing website, which is www.menopause.co.uk. She has so much information on there. Do some reading. Louise has got one book and another book coming out, I think, this month. It's out. out. Yeah. It's out. Yeah. So um, get yourself, you know, do the reading. Get the information and go to your doctor and tell them what you want. Okay. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be now, this is in your head. Unfortunately, because, well, not unfortunately, but, but because I have a special interest in menopause, when a woman comes in to see me in their late 40s, early 50s with anxiety or depression, the first thing I head towards is HRT, because that is the first line treatment for anxiety and depression in a menopausal woman unfortunately a lot of doctors will give an antidepressant and i and that that's the wrong treatment you know so it's it, but then again if someone came in about their prostate they might get a better deal from the person that gives the antidepressant than i would give it you know so right. it's my interest so i you know i have to sort of pull myself up a bit and not be pushing hrt all the time
0: but yeah is there a situation where an antidepressant would be suitable for someone in menopause.
1: Yeah, there is. So, women with breast cancer that have um, that are having really bad flushes, yeah. uh, SSRI type of antidepressant does have can be helpful um, for flushes when they aren't able to take oestrogen. There are a lot of things that you can do for menopause that don't involve HRT. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So you know, I, I. Do you talk about lifestyle and I do talk about um, some supplements? And um, but I think once people get to me, they're really wanting HRT because they've been around a few places and not got, you know, not got a satisfactory answer. So, yes, there are. And the other t- the other t- I do have some women on HRT and antidepressants, and these are a lot of women have had a long standing depression anyway, preceding any hormone changes. So um, and someone recently, I, we just could not get her right on just HRT. And I added in a small dose of antidepressant and that was just all that she needed. So yeah, okay. so it's, it's not, you know, there's no, every case is different.
0: Okay. Never. So all the things you said that would reduce breast cancer probably would help your menopause symptoms, right? Exercising, drinking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you did mention supplements. Do you have like a, your, a favorite supplement that you could tell people to ask about? One that you I quite bought. like the new chapter
1: brand. Uh, they have one called Estratone, okay. which is good. Um, you know, the thing about supplement and all I always say, take make sure your vitamin D is at a really good level because vitamin D is a hormone and, and actually you need estrogen to convert vitamin D on the skin as well. So there's um, keep your vitamin D levels up, take magnesium at night and, um, There's a lot of different um, menopause supplements that have um, red leaf clover, black cohosh, and for some of them there's weak evidence that they work. I can't say that they're safe. I don't, you know, we don't have a lot of studies on them. I know, you know, I know what I'm giving when I give HRT and I know I can measure blood levels, I can um, monitor it. And that's what
0: I can't do with supplements. Okay, great. Listen, uh, Doctor Rennie, where can people find you? Because when I mentioned this on social media, people were like, "Who? What doctor in Dubai?" <laughs> I'm
1: at I'm at Genesis Healthcare Centre, and that's in Science Park, which is um, near Parkview Hospital, on on Um Sakim, Al And who are you on social media?
0: Menopause Doc Dubai. Menopause Doc Dubai. There you have it. Thank you so much for giving a okay. lunch hour. Good rest of the day. Okay. Asia. Nice to meet you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.